With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to The Hit Show. My name is Danny Russell. I am the managing editor of DRaysBay.com. And we are journeying through the most beloved, the best, the greatest Rays of all time. We are seeding and creating a 64-name bracket. And today we will be journeying through the modern era of Rays baseball. And to do that, I am joined by Darby Robinson. Hello, everybody. And Brett Phillips. How you doing, guys? Brilliant. And excited to talk about Eric Neander baseball the baseball team which eric neander inherited and then built uh and i say inherited because you know we had those couple years where uh, technically matt silverman was involved somehow i don't really understand who was getting the paychecks who was writing the checks but it's the house that neander built today um, we knew who we knew who was writing the checks but uh that's true they weren't ready to give the keys to eric and heim bloom yet and uh so Matt Silverman was babysitting for a bit there, and uh, and we're glad Eric is in charge now. All right, moving forward, <laughs> um, we need to begin uh, with the number one seed. We are seeding, S-E-E-D-I-N-G. We are seeding who are the greatest, the best. It's very subjective, but we need to determine before we hand off voting to the general public, uh, where we will see each of these players in terms of what we think the initial reaction is, and then the voting will happen. And so, open forum, I have an idea of who it should be, but the number one seed for the modern era of Rays baseball 2014 to today, I feel like the number one seed is Kevin Kiermaier. I think- How do we feel? How do we feel about that? So, so looking at the list, looking at the options, we, we in have this, a list in, this, in front of us of in this one. Yeah, I will say, if I think of, if I'm just thinking in in our heads, and if we're all picturing wherever you're listening to this, if you're just picturing modern era post Joe Madden, Andrew Friedman, Rays baseball, who is the one big kind of player that really springs to mind in the terms of the face of the franchise, mm-hmm. the steely green eyes, eyes of the franchise. The most handsome the, player in baseball. The, the uh, is Kevin generational talent. He, the generational defender. <laughs> he is. He is. I think one of them. I think he has to be kind of the number one seed in this list because he he has a long tenure during this period. He also has mm-hmm. some of the most kind of widespread accolades. You know, everybody in baseball has seen at least a handful of the most jaw-dropping plays that we've ever seen in the history of center field defense in all of baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, just last year, Kevin Kiermeyer added to his unbelievable storied history, starting the best relay maybe ever 
Sure. With an absolute cannon arm. He, you know, we, there are, he's not a flawless player. I mean, I think at the bat, we, we always want more and, you know, he has a big injury history, but when he plays, he absolutely is a transcendent defensive player, platinum glove player, perennial gold glove and a human highlight reel out there. Mm -hmm. So I think he is the, the kind of the face of this modern, you know, that, that, that might be changing for some of the players we're about to talk about, but so, yeah, but right now I think he's the number one seed in this, in this bracket. When you think about who the list could be, let's just step back. The most famous raise, the most important raise in this modern era of baseball. Uh, Yes. There's Kevin Kiermaier, but there's also the pitching. We've got a Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, Cy Young finalist Charlie Morton, uh, one of the more famous Rays that have been in Chris Archer, the future face of the franchise, potentially in Willie Adamas, all-star Austin Meadows, a former number two hitter and could have been the face of the franchise had he not been traded, Tommy Pham. There are a lot of guys where you could step back and think this could be Mr. Ray. But historically speaking, I think there's one Mr. Ray even if he's not a, the most dominating hitter that there is. Yeah. Post-Evan Longoria, Kevin Kiermaier is absolutely taking up the mantle of Mr. Ray. Kind of a divisive player, um, just based on, you know, a lot of us in sort of the D-Rays Bay community like to talk about. We, we, we mentioned it a little bit on a couple pods ago, but he does a little bit of that uh, over-boogie, I think is what, they, what we all call it every once That's in fair. a while. Um, he'll do that thing where he might not get the best first read on a route, but he will have that massive, incredible closing speed. We were talking about this when we were comparing him to BJ Upton Mm -hmm. and the reverse skill sets. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that for me, Kevin Kiermaier certainly is what you said, Danny, the face of the franchise since Evan Longoria was traded. Um, he's definitely... For me, he's the top seed out of all those names. Uh, Certainly, if we're talking about – we're balancing – the fun thing about this bracket is it's not just a list of the best players in Ray's history. We're not just ranking who's number one because if you wanted to do that, you would just go through, like, the war history and take – do as much as you can and just rank them in order. you got to take a little bit of the human element. you got to take a little bit of what's – fun what makes baseball fun and there's very little that's more fun than in watching baseball than watching kevin kiermeyer i mean if you're doing a venn diagram of of most interesting players or uh, best known players in the war uh in that venn diagram number one is kevin kiermeyer even still yeah if you go from 2014 to the present number one is kevin kiermeyer with over 17 war over that time now, you might expect that a, a position player might come out higher than that, but he is number one. And number two is Evan Longoria. Well, yeah. excuse me, in the position player side. Right. Uh, in terms of war, number two would be Chris Archer. Uh, but it's, it, it is astounding to think that those would be the top three when you think about 2014 to today. Yeah. I love watching the guy play. I, I love him. I hope he stays away for as long as, you know, as long as he possibly can. I do, I will say that looking at the lists that we have gone through, the number one seeds of Carl, of Carl Crawford and Evan Longoria, and looking ahead uh, at the list that we have in front of us here, I do think that Kiermaier is the softest number one seed in this bracket. Um, I think that he is less of a clear-cut, obvious choice for me personally. 
That said, he is certainly the number one seed in the modern era. I think he's, like you said, the face of the franchise. He's incredible to watch. He is a singular talent in something that is being year by year more appropriately and professionally measured, i.e. defensive stats. And he's coming up at the time right when defensive stats are starting to, you know, when stat cast is sort of coming back Mm -hmm. up and we're starting to see more details about speed and route efficiency and all that. And he's showing himself to be this incredible, amazing talent. And I think he, Uh, in many ways. Among outfielders, among all outfielders in baseball, it's not close. Kevin Kiermaier is far and away the best defender in center field as far as the publicly available statistics for defense make it known number one seed material to me uh yeah absolutely i agree okay well, i also agree that he, he, he might be the he might be the softer one so sure uh, sure but it, it's a competitive bracket <laughs> so i i mean we have a draft list in front of us we're going to mm-hmm. finalize it through these conversations if you're thinking about face of the franchise, number one goes to Kevin Kiermaier for looking backward. But looking forward, I wonder who is the future face of the franchise. And I think there's two options there. There's Cy Young winner Blake Snell, who everyone knows. He's getting much more comfortable with the media. Uh, his uh, skills and ability are amazing. And as long as he can live up to his potential on an annual basis, he could be a Cy Young contender every year. Uh, he's signed to a long-term deal. There's plenty to like about that. But I'm tempted to say that above Blake Snell, number two seed, I wonder if it's Willie Adamas as the future mm-hmm. face of the franchise. In terms of future face of the franchise, I think Willie Adamas is that guy. And I think he's the type of, you know, just brilliant personality that can sort of be that star that that on and off the field star be the person that uh that really commands the attention is the leader inside the clubhouse and around but is is he worthy of the number two seed at this moment if we're considering the modern era of race baseball and that's where and that's where i i i i I do not have him at number two okay so who do you have so for me honestly i think if i'm thinking just again if i'm just sitting there imagining rays in this modern era it's Chris Archer. It's Chris Archer. Yes. He, yes. And, oh. Brett, and Brett agrees. Wow. Uh, yeah. Chris Archer, you know, not a Ray anymore, was traded to Pittsburgh in a trade that the Pittsburgh fans may not really love remembering, um, but Rays fans will. But Chris Archer, he was sort of the next sort of leader. He, he has these opening day starts. He became the guy to take a Blake Snell under his wing a little bit, sometimes being a little, you know, the little showy, you know, show up on time or, or get that thing. But he, he was, he was the type of guy who would, you know, be very wanting to be the, the lead ace. He wanted I mean, to be was, the if person. If there was anyone in the clubhouse who fancied himself a leader, it was Chris Archer, not only as the players rep for the MLBPA, but also just from a clubhouse perspective, um, mm-hmm. Chris Archer saw himself as one of baseball's elite, and he expected that back from the players in the clubhouse, uh, from the media, uh, from his opponents. He expected and, uh, in most cases, engendered that kind of respect. Yeah, and let's not, let's not forget his incredible uh, 
run as just yet another branch of the uh, inimitable Delmanyan trade tree, which oh, has yeah. provided so many incredible talents uh, to the Rays, not only bringing Chris Archer over here as part of that tree, but sending him away for another couple players who may or may not be on this uh, modern era list a little further down. I'm not really teasing. I'm not really yes, good at Shane Boz, you are on the top. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Boz is already the five. already a great Twitter follow. And that is yeah. true. Um, yeah, I, I, there's no denying I, I, just how famous he was among the fans as well, because we're not only trying to consider best. And as we talked about with war, using fan graphs war, Chris Archer is number two for this era. So it's not unreasonable to give him the number two seed to Kevin Kiermeyer if that if you're most interested in a statistical leveling here. But also in terms of fandom and the the jerseys and the shirtsies that you would see or uh, the players that kids would be able to name, I do feel like Chris Archer's up at the top. Yeah, he, I agree. He, he ha- Oh, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say, I, I agree. I think that, and, and this is sort of maybe what you were alluding to a little bit while back, Darby, but with regarding Willie Adamas, if we were making this list in 2022, I feel like Willie Adamas would have possibly a shot at number one. I think he's going to be a superstar for this team. And his off-the-field persona is incredible. He seems like he's always having a great time. Reminds, of course, us a lot of Francisco Lindor. I think where we're standing now, I, I don't want to put him at two. Um, I personally think that he might even belong closer to four, maybe underneath a Blake Snell. But I think that him and Blake Snell, for me, kind of – I could flip them and be ha- very happy with either outcome. So in comparing Blake Snell to Willie Adamas, though, we can go there as well. Uh, between the two, one has a national accolade in the Cy Young Award. Between the two, one has a national profile as someone who's regularly featured on the MLB network, is regularly featured on the MLB uh, social media accounts, who has his own following distinct uh, and apart from baseball through his Twitch account. Uh, in terms of being famous, in terms of being classically famous, if you will, <laughs> I think the next name it would rightfully be Blake Snell. Mm-hmm. And this is where I will agree with you, Danny. I think Blake Snell, and and I and I, I love Willie Adamas, but I, I think for me, Blake Snell, Cy Young winner, top pedigree, and now becoming kind of another face of the franchise in terms of. You know, when you think of Rays in the popular culture, in it on Twitter, on MLB Network, on ESPN, Blake Snell has sort of taken in a, in a different way and helping expand the game, which is what MLB is looking for. He is a guy that will be streaming a ton on Twitch. He is a guy that not and not just baseball content. He is mostly doing the you know doing Fortnite and and kind of branching out being this accessible you know there are people that are fans of Blake Snell who don't watch baseball that don't watch Blake Snell the pitcher which is kind of crazy but but he is the guy who in 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 Anaheim uh you have Odell Beckham Jr. right uh, of of, then the 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 New York Giants uh coming out wearing the the throwback Devil Rays Snell jersey taking BP because mm-hmm. him and Blake Snell one of are the good biggest friends. moments in terms of impressions on social media that the Tampa Bay Rays had all season was mm-hmm. Blake Snell just hanging out with an NFL player 
And, and Snell's a guy who it seems around the league too is pretty well liked. It's this, you know, he is social media mentions. He is on, he's kind of ha- tapped into the zeitgeist of this modern era. And so when I think of modern era guys, I do see Willie Adamas and Blake Snell as leaders in that. And I think Blake Snell right in the, on this list, I think he is a strong number three seed. So if we're talking number four seed, so it sounds like we've locked in Kevin Kiermeyer, Chris Archer, Blake Snell. Is there anyone that would jockey for the number four seed other than Willie Adamas? Who is the next Ray up from the modern era? Well, from the modern era, I think, I think for me, Willie Adamas shouldn't be going any lower than four. Um, I think that if we want to talk about beloved Rays, we're starting to get into more recent years. Mm-hmm. You know, this this bracket is this region of this bracket. We've it's yeah, the Neander very years. Very subjective. Yeah. Very subjective. It's the Neander years, and it's the years from 2014 to 2020. Um, I think that we're going to start getting more towards the 2020 side and the, the than the 2014 side when the Rays were sort of struggling for a while. So I would definitely throw in uh, names like Tommy Pham who had a, a beautiful year <laughs> for the Rays. And a half, uh, year and a half. 1.5 shining right. years. Shining year and a half. Uh, names like Tommy Pham, names like Charlie Morton, I think are, are players who still have a bit of shine on them, in part because the Rays have played very well when they've been around here, but in part because they've been so crucial and so successful for a relatively young team that in the past couple of years has really – grown and really shown a lot of success okay let's lock in one two three four then i'm calling it out kevin kiermeyer chris archer blake snow willie adamas and i agree with you i do think we're going to start getting into recency bias because between 24 uh 2014 to present there's only one playoff team there's only one great raise team for us to draw upon here it is somewhat of the dark years and then we've come back up for air so we are going to have very recent ideas and very recent names so i i think that's natural i think that's normal and i think we just kind of have to embrace that as we work with uh less longevity and more uh strong feelings exactly this is sort of almost a, an interesting bracket because we have it as the neander bracket but there is the silverman years where you kind of see kind of an extension of trying to continue that little window, the last little bit of Longoria's window. They tried. They they tried. They they did not tank. They never tr- they never blew it up. The one year they got the top, you know, near the top pick was just kind of this weird fluke second half season, second half collapse. Um, so they tried to squeeze it out, but those years are kind of, you know, they're they're listen, for a franchise that included the Devil Rays, where you were talking about 60 wins, <laughs> winning 80 and 82 is really good that's a that's a competitive team there was competitive september baseball but i agree we're we're gonna get into names that have been here one year maybe one year and a half because they've been a part of the either the 90 win 2018 race or the the playoff uh Mm -hmm. you know taking the houston astros to the limit um buzzers and all uh last year so Mm -hmm. for me coming in at number five i think you get I'm going back to the pitching well. I think, and and it's such a such a very you know he's he's only been here a year, but he, I think he we talked about a lot in previous pods here 
about that veteran presence and how important that is to kind of change that culture. So for me, it's Charlie Morton. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for important rays, Charlie Morton is near at the top of the list in terms of the current roster. If we're talking about accolades, he was a top three finalist for the Cy Young Award this year. If we're looking for someone who you can have uh, just great memories about the modern era, I mean, Charlie Morton spinning a baseball is everything that you want from the modern era. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for all-star accolades as well, he's got that too. I, it's hard to say that there is a more famous Ray than Charlie Morton if you're just thinking about the last year. He, he's also, Charlie Morton is a big free agent signing. You know, that was the Rays going out, spending money and saying, hey, we, we think this guy, you know, the Rays are very, very famously tight purse, but Charlie Morton was the guy that they, they opened that up for. And they brought him in because we saw it on the field, what he can do. But off the field, he's maybe one of the most thoughtful baseball players, one of the best interviews in all of baseball, because he doesn't, he doesn't throw a cliche out there. There is not a single Charlie Morton will take a question, take a minute, and then yeah, he'll maybe chew on that. He might he might tell you in those uncertain words that your question wasn't really that smart, but maybe he's like, "This is what you really I meant feel to personally ask." Uh, <laughs> but that's that's something that's really like you can tell just in interviews with the with with us in the press or or with other like what other players on the Rays have said about his impact. This yeah. is a guy who, who is a student of the game, knows the game, and has been around and can really – he's the guy that will, I think, age the best in terms of, you know, he's here for two, maybe three years of his option extends. If he wants to continue playing, um, he's pretty much going to retire here. Uh, mm, as a local. As a local. It's really a matter of yeah. however long he wants to do, but I think he's a guy that as long as he wants to be here, whatever he can impact – I think is going to leave a very strong lasting legacy. And in terms similar to Willie Adamas, if you're saying I want to seed high a player who I want to embody the Tampa Bay Rays, you want to think of Charlie Morton. You want Charlie Morton to be Mr. Ray. Mm-hmm. He already embodies the qualities of a player that you're looking for just without the longevity thus far. Yeah, it, it's nice too that he. It, I, I love that Charlie Morton. You know, uh, uh, and something that we don't get to really appreciate that much as as race fans is when a player chooses, you know, to play for you as a free agent signing. It's like they're choosing you. It's like you're the bell at the ball, <laughs> and it's very nice. Charlie, Charlie Morton pretty much could have gone anywhere. That's year, for sure. Yeah, he could have gone anywhere, and the Rays are the team that he wanted to come to. Uh, the Rays offered him, I believe, three years, and most teams were offering two, if if that's correct. Yeah, um, but, but they yeah. also they also finagled in like a fourth year option that has to do with yeah. the amount of team on uh, time on the field with the team. Sure, and, stuff like that. and like what like a lunar eclipse or something like that. I don't know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's nice that Charlie Morton wanted to come and play in St. Pete, which is one of the reasons why I think it's be nice to he. It's nice that he's ranked high. Um. After Charlie Morton, kind of moving on down this list, I kind of like, in the same sort of vein as Charlie Morton, or we're starting to go into areas where, like, you get some really quick, beautiful moments and beautiful players. 
And as far as players who play hard and have a, a great off the field persona and players that you just kind of maybe want to hang out with, I think the next oh. stop for me is Tommy Pham. There we go. Okay, Tommy so Pham we've is fantastic. six players and up next. So here's where I think you could go with the with number seven. We've seeded mm-hmm. six, and uh, or we're seeding number six right now. Yeah. Uh, you could go Tommy Pham a hundred percent. If you're interested in the stats, I think you need to start thinking about: Am I being uh, uh, considerate of Logan Forsythe enough for mm-hmm. the amount of work that he put into the franchise and the amount of uh, quality he gave on the field? Yeah. Uh, if you're looking for star power and you know towering home runs and national recognition and potentially one of the best rays moving forward, I think we certainly need to think about Austin Meadows a bit. Uh, if we're if we're seeding the quality, if we're seeding beloved, if we're seeding best, again, we haven't really decided what best means here. Right. Um, Inherently subjective. It. it I mean, the, this is all just us shooting the crap, right? So, um, <laughs> Kiermaier, Archer, Snell, Adamus, Morton. Is Tommy Pham next? For me, he is. Um, I recognize what you're saying about Logan Forsythe. The fact that Logan Forsythe had like a three to four, three and a half year career with this team and is never really considered as like a, as a star player for this team is kind of a travesty. I mean, the guy was very consistent and very good for a while, but part of that unfortunately falls in during these years where the team just was sort of chugging along. Uh, you know, they made the playoffs in 2013 when Logan Morrison, uh, excuse me, when Logan Forsythe, oh, Logan Morrison, a whole other player. You won no- Logan Morrison, <laughs> the sixth seed? Let's go. Logan Morrison, <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> no, uh, no, Forsythe came over in uh, 2014, but um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, it's strange that I don't have any strong opinions on Logan Forsythe. And I don't know what that means. It might just mean that I'm a bad fan. No, I mean, he was a relatively anonymous baseball, other than being a first-round draft pick. He was a relatively anonymous player on the field. Never was an all-star, never was a silver slugger, never was a gold glover. Uh, He he seemed to be a utility player, even though he was pretty locked in in terms of the Razor roster. Right. Uh, He he definitely could... he could play at any position, but the Rays kind of stuck him towards the center of the field. I, it's strange. Again, it just it seems like he deserves a little more credit than he gets. Am I willing to give him that credit? Yeah, it sounds like you're not. For me, I actually do. I almost want to go Logan Forsyth here, and I am going to actually – I think I would put him at – just below the person I'm about to put in. I think I actually put him at number seven, just because I do think somebody in the early Silverman okay, so, years. So you're, you're approaching Forsyth territory, but there's someone you want before him. Forsyth comes in at number seven to me. Number six, it's Tommy Pham. Brief, but again, it's culture change. This is a guy who came into that. He is the guy that helped to get the raise to that 90 win threshold. And then he's the, this is a young team. And Tommy Pham is, you know, he still has some very good years of baseball in him. Very, very good years of baseball in him. But this, this, what he left behind with the Rays, even in a short time, is something that I think we're going to remember for a very long time. 
and I think veteran presence and winning culture for sure. All of these young players, the team suddenly got an edge. I mean, the team suddenly a guy becomes your number two hitter. He is deservedly a star hitter on your team. And you know, you know, we talked like he had all of these just great moments. That that absolute intensity, maybe the most intense baseball player uh, playing right now. Like he would not give up on a pitch. He would not give up on a at bat. He would not give up on a play. And that was a big, you know, moment of come in, get a trade for a guy, go out at, at the deadline and buy a guy, basically. Really, really go out and say, we're trading prospects. We want to bring in this, this star player. Let's, let's buy at the deadline and say, we want Tommy Pham to be center, centerpiece of this kind of, you know, kind of run. And he comes in with a good attitude, brings that, that fire and intensity to the team, is a great veteran presence, is a great presence on the field, and the performance really backs it up. In terms of, you know, this, this era, he, when we're talking peak, I mean, his half a season with the Rays and his, his season last year, despite, you know, may, you know with, with an injury kind of limiting how far he could go, um, he was still a guy that would fight. He fought through, you know, an injury to be a and very strong playing, contributor. He was playing hurt all year long, refusing to lead the field, refusing to lead the lineup, and still performing – admirably well at a level that allowed the Rays to continue their hunt for the postseason and achieve it. And for me, that's that it's that off the field. It's that uh, it's just that personality that basically said the Rays are contenders. The Rays are contenders because they went out to trade for this guy. And this guy who is the ultimate competitor says we're, we're there. So you have Charlie Morton, you have Tommy Pham. I think they belong pretty close together because they are those veteran players that are, they're ready to win. They have won in their careers. They have, you know, had that postseason push. They're not settling. They're not just here to to have some fun. They're here to win baseball. Right, games. and that was contagious for sure. Okay, uh, we are obligated to take a break at some point, so why don't we take a break there? So uh, we will be back after this. All right, and we're back. Boys, it feels like it's been ages. Been a really long time, but probably just because that commercial was so good, I was really caught up in the moment. Okay, we have seated the top six: Kiermaier, Archer, Snell, Adamus, Morton, Fam. A giant precipice from which uh, Nemo gets lost, and then everybody wow. else. Is that is that the story here? I, I, like I thought for a hot second you were doing a like you were doing um, Moby Dick, and I was really going to be like, damn. (laughs) You're very confused on your Pixar. No, uh, okay, so I think we have a couple strong candidates for where we want to go from here, but I do, upon reflection of the commercial break, I do think that's a strong top six. So number seven, I feel like we need to start talking about beloved outfielders that play in a corner, not named Tom. (laughs) Okay, because my okay. I know we talked about the statistical worth of Logan Forsythe, but I'm starting to say, what about Steven Souza? What about Corey Dickerson? What about Austin Meadows? Are one of those three deserving of being the seven seed? For me, if we're talking seven seed, and I keep going back because we, we really haven't like specialized whether this is best raise or most beloved raise or kind of in there. I think in terms of personality and impact, a guy that I defended a lot for a long time, 
Uh, I actually do go Steven Souza Jr. here. Wow. He provided yeah. a lot of joy to me in a lot of different, he was a guy off the field, you know, he, he was the guy in the dugout giving hugs to everybody. Incredibly hardworking guy. You rooted for him. You wanted him to succeed. And he, his last year with the Rays, he really did put up, he, he showed what, what the potential there. You know, he put it all together. You know, huge power, good speed, good defense, although sometimes provided some fun with uh, maybe one of my favorite Rays highlights from this era where he dove for a ball all out and the ball landed a solid 30 feet away from him. Oh, yeah, him. just flat out missed. <laughs> just right. not even close. Which, and then, but in, in Steven Souza's, you know, best personality, him and Kiermaier get up, they watch the replay, and they both are doubled over laughing because he's a guy that would do that. He would be the guy that would run all out, take a dive, miss a ball. And that clip is his junior career with the Rays. <laughs> it was so iconic. close. So close. So close. But, but also so a very close. good player. I mean, I think in this, in we're talking about guys that have had maybe, you're talking about, uh, there's not a lot of sustainable years here of these players. You're talking about one year or two years. Steven Souza was a good but underwhelming player in his time here, except for that last year. And he has a peak as good or higher than I mean, anybody I else call him on the remainder of this list. I would, when I think of Steven Souza Jr., it's a mouthful. I'm just whelmed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not <laughs> underwhelmed. I am just whelmed. Appropriately whelmed. Brett, where do you stand? If you pull those top six names away, who is the number seven from the modern era? I think that there's something to be said about Steven Souza, uh, his longevity with the team. Um, I say that not, you know, not considering his, you know, many injuries, which he uh, was, was unfortunate to have. Um, I love Steven Souza Jr., but I always thought that, it, you know, very different kind of player, very different style of player. But he reminded me, he was always to the next year and was never quite able to do it until his final year here when he did have a pretty solid steady string of success fun alliteration um i do like steven souza jr i think when i look at this list i feel like seven is too high for him but i really cannot put any of the other names above like souza like i can't i i could the only person i could really make a case for would be logan Forsythe, but I like Steven Souza Jr. a lot more than Logan than I like Logan Forsythe. Nothing against Frosty. I just have more of an emotional connection, certainly with uh, with the Sues. And that's where I'm at. I think Forsythe here at number seven, I could be okay with too, because I think he did perform uh, very well. Like he w- he was a maybe less flashy, clearly player. Um, you know, much more quieter player. But I think he his performance. During an era that we kind of all forget a bit, he was probably warranted of this spot. But for me, that that kind of personality that was the the deal, the tiebreaker for me. So yeah. I, I, for me, it's Souza, and then it's it, it's Forsyth in mm-hmm. this seven eight spot. And it, for an era in, in Ray's history that's sort of defined, unfortunately, by a good bit of turnover, uh, with kind of Kevin Kiermaier holding up holding down the fort as quote-unquote Mr. Ray for a while. I like that 
Souza was around for more than a, more than a couple of years. And plus, the fact that his personality was pretty great was a nice little cherry on top of that. So I'm very happy to keep him at number seven. If it weren't for longevity, why wouldn't you be thinking of someone like Austin Meadows at this point? I mean, I think he sort of suffers from the same thing that Willie Dama suffers from in that he, it's just really early for him. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 Austin Meadows is fantastic. I, I think that he has, you know, made an impact with the Rays and will be a big part of the future. I think that I would love to, on this seeding system, sort of reward the players for – reward people who've been around for a while who were sort of there, sort of steady stalwart faces in this sort of, like, shifting raise roster of the modern era. And for me, really, it's, it's similar to that. I think Souza, we've gotten to know more, a little bit more. I think Meadows, performance-wise, I think you kind of have to put him right here, but I actually think Meadows – I'm gonna. I'm about. I think we're about to talk about Meadows. Let's just say. I think Austin. You know, if we did this list next year, I think he is shooting up that list. But right now, I think I want to. I want to give that at least in terms of just that tip of the cap of seniority to to a a, a Logan Forsythe. Okay. So our so our all stars are getting passed up. I do, in terms of this bracket, I do weight all star naming as a, a, an important aspect in terms of uh, uh, of recognition and understanding of, of who these players were on a national level. Uh, we're pushing Meadows down, and we're pushing Corey Dickerson down the list, the more names that we say that are not those. Um, do either... We sure are. <laughs> do either yeah. or Dickerson hop above the likes of Forsythe? I think we're all in agreement. No. No. At this point, no. No. Do any of those... Uh, so Meadows or Dickerson, do they hop above uh, Jake Odorizzi? We're getting closer, but Meadow, Meadows absolutely does. I think it's close. I think Odorizzi and uh, Dickerson, you start to get into that next that next wave. Of, uh-huh. Uh-huh. This was a fine player. Um, so for me, I would say in this in this list if we if we say it goes Souza and then Forsythe number 9 for me just just missing out on those two this year only when we rerun this next year or whatever sure. uh, yeah, Meadows yeah, yeah, yeah. is going higher but i think now is when you put in Austin Meadows because only one year with the Rays but he had a single year better than any year that Odorizzi had with the Rays any year that Corey Dickerson had with the Rays I mean, Meadows was an all-star, well-deserving, four wins, and basically a stud middle-of-the-order bat who you just – you can see the future. You can see this is a, this is a guy you can build around. Where, where I never really – you know, definitely never saw Odorizzi as a top-of-the-rotation guy. He's like a 3-4. Um, and Corey Dickerson, fine auxiliary piece, but kind of see where his career is kind of at. It's – He's a solid outfielder, but never a piece that you want to build around. Maybe not even your second or third. Whereas I think Meadows has that sort of star quality uh, that I do think belongs on kind of the, you know, I, I push him down a little bit, but I think I can't let him slide any further than here. Okay, what do you think, Brett? I agree with that. I think that we're starting to get to the point where we need to uh, look at players who are 
we, we need to treat players who are who their best years are ahead of them a little bit, maybe a little bit differently than ones who were pretty good for a while um, uh, and, and for the team, but then sort of uh, would, would, you know, consistently pretty good, but like around for a while. That said, we are starting to get into these, these names um, that I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to take a, a stance on, on grading some of these guys that are going to be a little bit different than how you guys will value them. So I'm I'm very eager to see what we do with some of these really like hot names for okay, that were okay. well, very good let's for a year. Get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah. Um, okay. So just to recap for the listener, because <laughs> uh, uh, I know it's a lot. We're just burning through names. Kiermaier, Archer, Snell, Adamas, Morton, Fam, Souza, Forsyth, Meadows as our top nine. So is Jake Odorizzi next, or do we start thinking about the various? players who have been all-stars for the race this is this is a tough tough one this because is I tough. Think you have you have i think you know Corey dickerson had had an all-star year um but i personally do not really count all-star appearances as super high um i think it, without the all-star kind of like shine that personality that off the field i mean there, there's there's dessert stars and then there's weird all-stars right so he's no lance carter i will say that but <laughs> <laughs> i mean alex Colome, all-star wilson ramos all-star uh yeah. but then also brandon lau all-star brad boxberger all-star it's well uh, i i think with you know you got a guy like brandon lau I think you see him as like, oh, I could see that as a guy that could be an all-star. I see Corey Dickerson as a guy I could see. You I mean, know, you, we thought he was an all-star. To the fifth level of... <laughs> Boxberger, is, Boxberger is very much in the Lance Carter mode. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Colum A, I think with Colum A, it's, just, it's all so much... Fr- it's, a, it's all frustration for me that pushes him down the list <laughs> because there's, there's so much untapped potential. To this day, I think it's like, oh, that guy turned out to be a good reliever. And, and it, like, it, you're like, this should be more than a good reliever. This should be a, like a back-end starter or a rock star closer. And he had flashes of that. And that temptation, that was almost too much. It was too much flashes and too little. I think in this spot, 10, for me, I, I, I'll give it up to you guys. I think a Odorizzi Dickerson... Can I throw? A, let me let me throw a controversial yeah. name out there. Why would we not slot in at ten, Tyler Glass? Now, again, I think that it's that same old story. Oh, as much as I love the aesthetics of putting Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now right next to each other, uh huh. Again, one of those things where I think his best years are ahead of him. If Tyler Glass now, oh God, if he if he does just continues how he did last year for the next two to three years. I mean, we, we, we'd be starting to put his name above, like maybe considering above Blake Snell, or at least in that I mean, sort that, of tier. That with little like 1.6 ERA that he was flirting with until uh, his forearm injury was right. shades of David Price in his Cy Young year. He, he was legitimately shocking. last year was the Rays best pitcher for the first, until he got injured. Yeah. We, you had you had Charlie Morton finish in the top three of the Cy Young, but Tyler Glasnow was out pitching him. Right, he was out pitching the reigning Cy Young winner. So yeah, I think Glasnow talent wise belongs here, and 
in this spot, because I don't feel so strongly about your, your Wilson Ramos is because of tenure, very short, Alex Colomay, you know, miss potential, Corey Dickerson, miss potential. I think, I think you could make the argument there. I I'm very swayed in these spots. This is a, yeah. this is a list of, of it's, it's pretty fungible in this, in this section. Yeah, I, I think that I, I would be fine with putting Jake Odorizzi uh, in our sort of 10 spot right now. Not necessarily to credit anything that he's done, but just to sort of show how these guys are sort of all very interchangeable. And, and it's plus it's hard because they're very different kinds of players, right? Like Odorizzi was with the team for a while. Glass now is a possible superstar who's been here for a year. Uh, Corey Dickerson had sort of one, one and a half very good years and then was traded away. Alex Colomay, it really is a shame too. It, it shows how hard it is to get a high seeding on this list. You have to literally be, have the best single season ERA record as a reliever to be seeded as a closer here. And even then you're still number 10. So <laughs> <laughs> unless you're, you know, Esteban Yan or something and you can really. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering how we were going to reference Esteban Yan today. There we are. There it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, with closers, if you're not the best ever for a while, it seems like it's hard to be, if, if this is, you know, we're, we're mixing up how we're ranking these teams. Are they the, are they the best players? Are they the most beloved? Are they the face of the franchise? I don't really see a closer. I don't really see, let me rephrase that. I don't really see a guy like Alex Colomay being someone that even when he was on the team, someone that I, loved to see come into the game he would get the job done most of the time when it was a very good closer but i was always very much like it's you know maybe that's just the nature of the closer unless you're mariano rivera you're never or like, fernando rodney for one year <laughs> or fernando rodney for one year and then again you get to be you know you get to have a matchup with uh uh i i don't know i can't tell <laughs> carlos uh, Pena or something. i mean so i think el caballo is 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 close here but above Colomay and yeah. below Odorizzi, i still think this is where we slot in Tyler Glass now, just in terms of pure talent level, mm-hmm. we have to yeah. be somewhat forward thinking here. And the talent of Tyler Glass now, uh, pending health, is going to be one of the best players in in the American League East and potentially in the American League, potentially flirting with more national level accolades to come. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think I'm very, I'm very, I like that. And I think he has this, I think he's a guy that very quickly could be a superstar, not only just in performance, but also in terms of he's a guy I think that is also somebody that handles the media well. He has a lot of emotion. He really is a guy that I think uh, is ready to take that next step. So yeah, I I like it. Let's put him on there. Yep, I'll go with it. One player that we have not mentioned so far that I think we should start putting into consideration either for the modern era bracket or in terms of kicking over into a folk hero status, because yeah. if you were there, it's rightfully so. Are we, we have two more names left that we can solidly seed here. And we have all stars that we have not seeded yet, but what about G man Choi? G Man Choi for me is is very much a folk hero at this point. Um, G Man Choi, looking at some of the names that we have here, names like Tyler Glass now, names like Corey Dickerson, looking at what G Man Choi has actually done for the Rays on the field, I, I 
don't think he necessarily belongs with that group. And I don't think it's fair to put G-Man Troy, much like how we, what we did with, um, uh, with, uh, uh, sorry, what we didn't do with Akinori Iwamura for the first, uh, for the, um, the Madden days, region. Yeah the Madden region, yeah. I think it would sort of be unfair for G-Man Troy to face a one or a two seed in this case because he is a great player. He's mostly a fantastic player to just have on your team. Uh, I love the man, uh, and I it would be a darn shame to you know have to have him face up against Chris Archer or whatever in the finals. Okay, so – Putting him aside then, in my mind, here's how I would close out. Because we, we name the 15 seeds, and then we are putting it out to the public an opportunity mm-hmm. to vote. Uh, vote in what the 16th seed will be. Uh, I feel like, so we've got Odorizzi at 10, Glass now uh, is where we're kind of hovering over for 11. I would go Glass now, Dickerson. Okay. And then our older all-stars, Colome Ramos. And then bring back in one more all-star in Brandon Lau. That's where I'm kind of envisioning these next five. Glassdown, Dickerson, Colome, Wilson Ramos, Brandon Lau. Okay. I think that's very fair. And I think Lau at 15 is kind of nice because, again, it's all-star but also forward-thinking. I mean, he's a guy that I think you could see as I mean, a guy if that moves up this list in the next couple of years. Yeah. And probably did last year. Good night. Yeah. And the, and the Rays have a lot of faith in him. He, they, they signed him to a, an extension. They, they see something in, in him. And his defense took big steps forward. So I think, uh, I think Brandon Lau is an interesting player on this list that uh, hopefully we go, wow, we ranked him that low that first year. And yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I feel it. I, I like the inclusion of the All-Stars in it. I will say... And I guess this is the perfect uh, use for the, um, the vote-in bracket. But man, oh man, am I struggling with the lack of inclusion for my boy Travis Darno? <laughs> <laughs> hey. What I was alluding to a couple minutes ago is that I think the bottom section in this case is a perfect time for those players who have those really incredible peak seasons. Or sorry, um. peak, very short tenure with the Rays, but very, very, you know, uh, successful and, and, and beloved in many ways. I remember where I was still when Travis Darnot hit a full count two out pitch from Araldis Chapman to okay. get a three run home run to beat the Yankees in that yeah. game five to four on July 15th. And I love the man and he fulfills something that the Rays had not really had for a while, which was a competent role at catcher. Um, we did have Wilson Ramos, of course, in there, and he was very, very good for the team for uh, around a year and a half. Um, do I want – in my heart of hearts, do I want to replace Wilson Ramos with Travis Darno? Pro- you can't see – probably not. No, I mean – Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't do that for me. I, I don't think I can put – as much as Travis Darno, I think he absolutely should be in the, the vote-in, and I think yeah. he – I'm, you know, I might throw a vote for him to be that 16 seed, but I, right. I think, uh, I, I don't, I can't put him ahead of Lau. I can't put ahead of him of Ramos. Can't put him ahead of Colome. I can't put him ahead of Dickerson. There, there's just too much, you know, what he did was really good, but it was far, far, far too brief. 
Now, Brett, you very uh, importantly pointed out to me that uh, we've been talking about five players for the vote in. Really, it needs to be four. Yes, for the thank purposes you for of this exercise. <laughs> uh, and and just quickly for the ten people who are still listening, uh, for the Devil Rays bracket, uh, we had five there: Contu, uh, Joe Kennedy, Travis Lee, Quentin McCracken, and Brian Recker. Uh, we're eliminating Travis Lee because I can't stand him. For the glory days, we had J.P. Howell, Matt Joy, Sean Rodriguez, Cliff Floyd, and sh- and barely convinced ourselves to have Jake McGee in. Jake McGee's out. We were very solidly on four, and he was the all right, I guess, number five. Uh, also, sorry, Jeff Neiman. Modern era, we need to come up with four more names to either bump the likes of Wilson Ramos or Brandon Lau down or to uh, to solidly slot into our final four here. So I, I think we need to keep Brad Boxberger in for what he was. I think you could have a conversation here around Jake McGee in the same way. Uh, Travis Darno, lock him in. I'm totally fine with that. Do not touch him. But then we have <laughs> pitchers that I think are, are noteworthy in uh, Drew Smiley and importantly, Ryan Yarbrough, who is just mm-hmm. killing it. I think on this list, I think on this list, I think you have to have Yarbrough for both performance on the field, but also kind of, he is, you know, this is a, a person who really exemplifies a position that, uh, you know, he, he was kind of the guy that became the face of the, the bulk guy, the, right. the the headliner, and and I think he absolutely belongs in the vote in. Um, I think another person who I think should be in the vote in in this list is actually Drew Smiley. Do you think he belongs? So I thought there's a couple of guys we're not mentioning here that are maybe uh, well discussed, and I've got I've got four position players for you who. And when I think about the D-Rays Bay Slack chat, we mm-hmm. spent so much time talking about these four players. Logan Morrison, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Matt Duffy, Duffman, Brad Miller, the mountain himself. My boy. Miller Mountain. And Joey Wendell, possibly the most controversial member in terms of the Slack chat. Much better than Miguel Andujar. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Should have been second in Rookie of the Year. Right. Should have, could have. We, we got to choose two. Brad Boxberger, Brad Miller, Joey Wendell, Drew Smiley, Logan Morrison, Matt Duffy. Who is actually a candidate here to bump the likes of Ramos or Lau or to challenge the likes of Kevin Kiermeyer in terms of voting? <laughs> <laughs> challenging Kiermaier I think is tough yeah I, I I personally think of the vote in if I had to pick four out, out of that list it for me it's Travis Darno, it's Ryan Yarbrough it's Joey Wendell and it's Drew Smiley mm. I I think closers and relievers for me are, there's a high bar before I start to really consider you and besides having maybe the best players weekend Jersey, Brad Boxberger does not make my list. What about you, Brett? I see Brad Boxberger as one of those relievers that you'll see time and time again, who has a really good year, 
and then kind of falls off the face of the earth. Boxberger was a good part of the uh, relief core for, for just a bit, but then kind of didn't do a whole lot. I, boy, but I don't really, nothing else really jumps out at me, though. That's my thing. I think Joey Wendell is, 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 should be one of the four that we include for sure. If only just for, like you said, the Miguel Andahard trolling that can be done because little <laughs> scrappy Joey Wendell is, is so much fun. And he had an I don't am- amazing year. Like he definitely had statistically yeah. a really tremendous year out of nowhere. So, right. I don't know. I, I think that, you know what? I'm okay. You know what? Drew Smiley, I am okay with. I think it's easy to forget that Drew Smiley was a pretty good part of the pitching staff. Uh, uh, and you know, came over with the in the price trade, and uh, actually, basically outperformed um, uh, price when he was when he was uh, when he came over. So, I in the year in the in the year that he came over. So, I think that I would be okay with putting Drew Smiley, and I just don't I just don't see Brad Boxberger as uh, a really integral part of this team uh, for a long period of time. I mean, he had forty one saves. I know that the exactly weren't any good, but it was exactly a- forty-one saves. Further proving, just like my boy Brian Kenny, kill the save. I know. I got I you, BK. Know. I. It's a shame. That means nothing as to me. The managing editor of a statistics-based community <laughs> about the Tampa Bay Rays, I l- still value the narrative quality of things like wins and losses and saves and i'm okay with him being included on this just to show how few votes he gets <laughs> as an object just lesson, to prove me wrong lesson. just so so i'm okay with that let's yeah. let's put him on there all right i mean he's bumping drew smiley or miller mountain i think we're uh i think we'll do well it. he'll be he'd be he'll, yeah he'll be so the final four now uh, for the vote-in is Brad Boxberger, Travis Darno, uh-huh. Joey Wendell, and Ryan Yarborough. I think so. I think I think when you have a closer of Boxberger's quality, based on how we've done the previous lists here. Mm-hmm. He's, he, Danny Baez made the list, so I guess Brad Boxberger. Danny I think Baez deserves <laughs> a lot more respect than... Uh, Danny Baez deserves to be on this list, but yes, I think Brad Boxberger Danny would have been Baez a great seated on this list. Devil, right. Devil Ray, I think that's a great Devil Ray. I just feel like I don't know. I feel like Boxberger I just hope you, they, they, they're all losing out to Travis from the from the bad years. They're all losing out to Travis Darnell. If it was up to me, Ryan Yarbrough's so, hey. take, taking this. Nah, man, nah. I'm gonna do my. I'm gonna get some shell accounts and and vote. <laughs> <laughs> okay well hey i feel like we did it that this was we a really it. tricky uh era to seed and i think we have a pretty decent list i agree yeah modern era like completed the neander bracket looks yes, good the the honorary eric neander modern era bracket from 2014 to 2020 uh not named yoshitomo tutsuko but also, he's never taken a at bat for the Tampa Bay Rays. So uh, he, he should be one, actually. He should be number one. 
I'm changing my mind on the entire bracket. <laughs> Put him above Tommy Pham since he's the next Tommy Pham, right? Okay, we're going to end it there. Uh, we have one more corner of the bracket to do. So next podcast, we will get into the folk heroes. But until then, Darby, Brett, it was a pleasure. Mm-hmm.